Cold, cranky, and restless, one winter's night, the young daughter of a Bethlehem innkeeper is awoken by the crowded, comfortless conditions of her family's sleeping loft. Recalling a young couple that was staying in the stable, she rises from her bed to bring them some fire for warmth. There, the young Serafina finds the newborn babe asleep in the manger. Her encounter with the child on a chilly night will change her life forever in this imaginative retelling of the nativity. And that is a description of the book The Christmas Light by today's guest, Claudia Cangilla McAdam. Hello, I'm Michael Litchens with Catholic Exchange, the editor and host. Claudia is my first guest today of what will be three interviews over this weekend, each with children's authors. I don't get to talk to them too much, and I really find writing for children's literature to be a fascinating subject, especially the artwork that goes into it. So we'll be covering that today. First is Claudia Cangilla McAdam, who is a prolific children's author and just a delightful human being. I'll also be talking to two other delightful folks who've written a lot of children's books. Anthony Stefano will be the second interview. He's written also A Travel Guide to Heaven. And we'll talk to Priscilla Smith-Caffrey. Today's interview will be going over not just the story, but the process of writing books, about what it is to tell stories of children, and why we're so attracted to the nativity. So thank you all for joining me. We'll go to Claudia right now, and stay around till the end. I'll give you a couple resources, as well as in our show notes. All right, Claudia, first of all, again, thank you so much for joining us here at Catholic Exchange. Uh, to begin, I don't get to talk to too many uh, authors of children's literature on this podcast, except around Christmas time. So I'd just like to ask, what brought you to writing books for kids? You know, what brought me to writing, period, was when I was 10 years old, mm -hmm. I started writing poetry and then sharing it with my parents and with my teachers at school. And they were giving me great yeah. feedback. And I thought, you know what? I love how I can express myself through the written word. This is what I want to do when I grow up. And not many of us know what we want to do at age 10 when we grow up. And fewer of us are able to actually accomplish that. But thanks be to God, I, I never wavered from wanting to do that. I studied English in college, majored in English, and before I was out of college, I was writing and being published in children's magazines and newspapers. So mm -hmm. that's how I started. I, I generally grew into writing books for children and teens, and I've been doing that now for decades, and it's, it's what I love. It's what I am blessed to be able to do, and when I pen a uh, faith-based title, it really helps me evangelize young people. My goal is to get kids and teens to learn and love and live their Catholic faith. And that is a fantastic way to go about it through the written word. As many of us who grew up on these kind of books know very well, they stay with you for your... I mean, I have memories of books I read as a kid into my late 30s now, and it's like, I can't remember what I did last week, but I remember the picture Bible my parents had. Who knows why? Exactly right. And, you know, I recently came across a quote from an author whose name is Mary Jo Putney. And she, she said, what one loves in childhood stays in the heart forever. And hopefully children will come to love the Lord. That's the mm -hmm. most important thing. And that will stay in their hearts forever. Yeah, and uh, your new book, The Christmas Light, which is very striking imagery and a lovely little story. Can you tell us a little bit about the story and where you came with up with the idea? Sure. You know, sometimes I, I get an idea for a story and I start mm -hmm. working on it. And then months later, I can't remember what the genesis of that, that idea was, where this the sure. idea came from. But this one in particular, I know where it came from because I sat down on the day that the idea came to me and I wrote out 
this idea came to me at this day uh, in this situation. And this is the story I want to write. I was at my parish for the celebration of the Feast of the Epiphany mm-hmm. in 2014. And our church is very large. We have 4,300 registered families. And we have a very large nativity set up during uh, Christmas holidays, you know, on the, on the, in the sanctuary there near the altar, life-size figures, you know, statues of the Holy Family and the wise men and the shepherd and the animals. And it, it's very big. And I, I love to look at it every year. And this particular year, I was standing in front of it, looking at the different figures, wondering, wow, who else was there at the nativity? Who else witnessed this marvelous event? And what might they have taken away from it? What what did they give, you know, in terms of their their presence there? And what did they take away from it? And so the idea came to me to approach the story from the fictionalized character's point of view of the daughter of the Bethlehem innkeeper. So I came up with that character and she she's in her home on Christmas Eve. Her home is jam-packed with people from out of town that she doesn't even know. All the kids have been stuck up in the loft. You know, they're, they're laid together like, you know, like logs in a bundle. They're just crammed together. And her little sister, her bare feet keep touching the main character's calf and making her cold and uncomfortable. And so the main character, her name is Serafina. She's, she's disgusted with the whole thing. So she exits the loft. She climbs down the ladder and she remembers this young couple that had asked her father for lodging in their home. And he regretfully had to turn them away. Sure. Offered the stable across the lane. She opens the door to, to take a look over at the stable and she hears the baby cry. So she closes the door and she thinks, wow, if I'm cold on this night, they must be freezing. So she lights an oil lamp from her family's fireplace and takes the fire across the lane to the Holy Family where she presents it as a gift. And in the process, the, the Blessed Mother is kneeling at the manger and she opens her arms to Serafina in a welcoming gesture to come approach the newborn babe. And Serafina does and has a life-changing encounter with the baby Jesus. The Blessed Mother welcomes all of us that way. She opens her arms silently even and beckons us to come closer to her and through her to her son. So Serafina does that. And her encounter with the child, Jesus leaves her, her mood greatly altered and her life forever changed. She goes back to her home, climbs into the loft. And instead of being angry at her little sister who's making her cold, she (laughs) gathers the little sister close and warms her heart to heart on what has now become the warmest night in her life. And it is a touching story at that. And it's also something I think is very evocative. I mean, your title, The Christmas Light, is very literal in a way. It is. Serafina means light bearer. Mm-hmm. So, so she's a light bearer. I mean, people don't have to know that to, to enjoy the story, but I chose that name for a particular reason. And she she brings them what she's thinking. You know, she's bringing them light. She's bringing them fire for warmth and light for illumination. But what she gets in return is an encounter with the light, the light of the world, Christ himself. And so there's there's kind of different meanings to who or what is the Christmas light. Right. And it's also something I've, we, you have an article coming out with Catholic Exchange. It'll probably come out about the same time we put out this podcast, but uh, you've talked about 
why people might be attracted to the nativity and we've seen that in christmas books as well as adults and draws authors and artists back to the nativity i i think it's the same thing that draws readers and listeners to the nativity mm-hmm. story it's the fact that it is a a story that that follows all the the hallmarks of what good storytelling is i mean there's a virtuous couple who has a struggle and, and something they need to overcome and there's a um, an antagonist in the figure of Herod who's threatening them and, and their child's very life. And, and there's, all, there's all sorts of components that come together that make it a, a really interesting story, you know, as it is. And the best part is it's a story that's true, that has lasted all these hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's how we know when a story um, has legs, so to speak, is when it's being retold over and over. And this one, you can't beat for the, for the retelling of it. Certainly. What other ways do you think that we can use the imagination to help faith grow in kids or adults? You know, St. Ignatius of Loyola, in his uh, spiritual exercises, it, he a- invites us to contemplate sacred mm-hmm. scripture in a very special way. And it's, it's something that I do in my own prayer life. And it's something that kids are really good at. And what St. Ignatius said is, you know, open a gospel story and begin reading it and put yourself into the story. Become one of the characters or a character who's not even mentioned, but who you imagine being there and see what you can taste and, and smell and hear and touch and, and feel in that story. And what, what do you take away from that story? And children are really, really good at putting themselves inside yes. a story. I mean, who has not played with a child? who, you know, picks up a, a stick and says, um, you know, I'm the good soldier, you're the bad guy, and, and <laughs> quote, unquote, fights you with this stick. Or, you know, a little one who, who says, um, I'm the mom and you're the baby and I'm going to take care of you. You know, the kids have wonderful imaginations. Yes, they and they, they are really primed for finding themselves in a story, particularly the nativity story. I mean, that's why we have the little drummer boy or, you know, the ox or the donkey or the spider or the mouse that finds, finds itself at the scene of the nativity. It's because kids can then relate to one of these characters and imagine themselves there as well. He certainly can. Have you had much experience with St. Ignatius and his exercises? Uh, a little bit. I had a son who yeah. discerned the Jesuit priesthood for a oh, year. Oh, lovely. Congrats to him. Before stepping away, and he's now the, sure. the director of formation with Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Another great he's, one. He's serving the Lord in another capacity. So, yes, I, I've had some some experience with that. I, you know, I've never done uh, the multi-week silent retreat, although people would be thrilled if I actually did that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I, I get that. <laughs> also, in terms of engaging the imagination, the illustrations, which I mentioned right at the beginning of our show, they're really striking and carry a lot of depth and warmth. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Absolutely. You know, people think, people don't really understand how a picture book comes to be. Mm-hmm. And unless the author is also the illustrator, which I am not, I can't draw a straight line. If you gave me a ruler, I could not do it. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to illustrate my own story. So the way it works for most authors who are not illustrators is that they write their story then they research the market and see what publisher would be a good fit for this story. And in this case, Sophia Institute Press is the perfect fit for this story. And the, the story gets sent to the publisher. If they like it, they buy it. 
then they go and match the story with an illustrator. And in this case, they chose Igor Koviar, who this man I've never met, we've never emailed, and we've never texted or spoken on the phone or anything. Wow. He's of Russian descent, born in St. Petersburg, lives in Israel presently, and he's a fabulous, excuse me, a fabulous illustrator who I think because he lives in the Holy Land, he can really represent what the geography and what the people actually look mm-hmm. like. And he has done such a gorgeous job with this book. A good illustrator will interpret the story in his or her own way. And when you get the finished picture book, you should be able to go through the book without reading a word, but looking at the pictures and still getting a good sense of what the story is about. And I think that happens in the Christmas light. It certainly does. That's wild to me. You didn't have as much collaboration because some of our, some of the children's authors I meet, they like are spend hours trying to figure out the perfect lines, but this came out so well. I'm very, very pleased with it. You know, um, I had the the opportunity to see early pencil drawings. So we we worked Mm -hmm. through our editor, you know, and and the the illustrator would send the drawings to the editor who would forward them to me asking for comments. And I try not to to be too demanding with any of the illustrators I've worked with. I I trust them to do a a good job and they they do. And, you know, I can pick out a thing or two here. I mean, you know, this scene may be out of order or, or something like that. And, and, you know, email back and then those changes could be made, but very little input from me was mm-hmm. necessary. I mean, I, I think the the book and the colors on the book, uh, the, the illustrations are just saturated with this beautiful, deep mood evoking color. Oh, they very much are. And uh, particularly the night scenes that contrast with the lights so well. Mm-hmm. And of course, you write these books to tell a great story, but you also have other missions and other goals and that leads to the discussion and activities guide that you make available. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Sure. You know, for every picture book that I write, I like to make available through my website a free discussion and activities guide that anyone can request. My website is www.claudiamcadam, that's M-C-A-D-A-M.com. And I'd be happy to send the, them the PDF of the, the uh, discussion guide. So the one for this book is about 15 pages long, and it has something for every age reader or listener, from a coloring page to a maze to a word search to matching terms to discussion questions, uh, an exploration of the virtues. What are the virtues? How are the virtues um, evident in this story? And I even get even deeper with uh, illustrating what a chiastic structure is. And before I went and got my master's degree in theology from the Augustine Institute, and before I really began to study sacred scripture deeply, I didn't know what a chiastic structure was, but I do now. And it's a structure in which many of the biblical stories are written so that the the things that happen in the first part of a story um, culminate at the main point in the story, and then they those things hinge on that main point, and the things that happen at the last part of the story are the reversal or the fulfillment of the things that happened in the beginning. So Noah's Ark is an example of a chiastic structure, um, you know, where God tells Noah to build an ark, a flood is announced, they have to get into the ark, et cetera, et cetera. Then when they when God remembers Noah, those things are reversed, and 
you know, the people leave the ark, you know, the, the, the waters stop rising, the people leave the ark and they get out of the ark and then Noah, you know, offers a sacrifice, etc. But for the Christmas light, I wanted to do the same thing. So I structured the story in such a way where an astute reader will pick it up but not know that this is the structure of the book, but how the things that happened to Serafina in the first part of the story hinge on her meeting the Christ child. And after she does, her life is changed. And those same components that were in the beginning of the story are reversed and improved for her in the second part. So it, you know, you get a little bit of education if you want it in the discussion guide, or you just have yeah. a lot of fun. Absolutely. Do you think these stories and parables that are reflecting from the Bible are going to be helpful for a child to internalize a lot of that theology you talk about? I think so. You know, I mean, Jesus was the master storyteller, the divine storyteller. Yes. And he gave us parables, I think, for a reason. He told parables because he wanted his listeners to put themselves in those stories. So he wants you, when he's telling you about the prodigal son, he wants you to decide, are you the prodigal son? Are you the angry older brother? Are you the merciful father? You know, why or why not? And I think children are really, really good at doing that. They, they, you know, they want to know what's fair and what isn't fair and why would someone do such and such. And I think that it's a great opportunity with a, a picture book like this for parents and kids to sit down together and discuss character's motivation and, you know, how, how she experiences a change of heart and then how to apply that to your own life. I mean, Hey, hey, little kid, are you ever upset with somebody in your family, maybe a sibling? Yeah, I think so. How do you mm-hmm. handle that situation with charity as opposed to anger? So there's good, there's good lessons that you can draw from even the simplest of books. The Christmas Light is only 600 words, but it's packed with lessons that anyone can take away from it should they want. Certainly. Along with other resources that you offer for getting deeper into those lessons, you offer free author visits, which is handy. Tell us a little bit about that. I do. You know, I've been fortunate enough to these last many decades of my writing career to be able to visit with schools locally. If they're local schools, I can I can go very easily. Sometimes I travel out of state to visit schools. I've, I've been from New York to California on school visits. A lot of times I'll do virtual visits via Zoom or Skype, or FaceTime, or something like that. Especially in, in this COVID environment, I did a lot of those last year where sure. um, you know kids were distance learning, but they could all pop in at an agreed time with their teacher and me. And I can share my books on PowerPoint. I've got them all on PowerPoint so that every child can see every illustration as I read the story and talk about it. So it, it's a, a great way for a large group to you know, really to get intimately involved in the story. And I mean, I visited with homeschoolers, with RE classes, all sorts of groups. I mean, I've had teachers who've used my picture books with their middle school students. So think, you oh, know, pre- wow. pre-teens, but there, there's a reason they're doing that. And it's to either draw out certain lessons or, you know, to look at the, the writing structure of the book in terms of language arts or something like that. But um, I, I love visiting with my readers anywhere in the world. <laughs> it's always a joy when you meet people who actually want to read what you worked hard on. And I get that. And I this is definitely one I enjoyed reading. So you've met one. <laughs> uh, and for the Advent season, I'm curious if you might have some insight 
Besides engaging the imagination, what's another way that parents can help bring home the realities of Christmas and the Advent season to kids? You know, there's a lot of good ways to do that. And I think starting with something as basic as, do you have an Advent wreath in your home? Do you Mm -hmm. have a, a Jesse tree or an Advent calendar where every day you reveal something about the life of Jesus, the history, the genealogy of Jesus, and you learn a little bit about him in that way. Um, I, I love the tradition of making a manger scene and the, the manger itself, you fill with scraps of paper on which a child can write a good deed that they might do. Uh, made my bed without being asked or helped my little sister tie her shoes, something like that, mm-hmm. and fill the manger with scraps of paper that they're offerings to the Lord in anticipation of his birth and the greatest gift that we've ever received, Jesus Christ, our Lord incarnate. So there's a lot of good ways that parents can just kind of slow down and investigate really fun and meaningful activities that they can do with their families. Mm -hmm. And there's some great resources out there for that. As far as uh, with your work, have you found when you're trying to talk about the nativity or the Christmas story that you've hit a particular challenge or just something you had to step back and reapproach from when writing? Uh, I haven't. Are you thinking of something in particular, Michael? No, I'm just curious. It's a question I get because for me, the nativ- we've talked about how important it is, and it's one that da- is daunting to so many people. So I'm always curious how writers process that. You know, I, I try to stick to what we read in sacred scripture. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's the truth that and the, the tradition of the church, those things come together to, yeah. to form me in what I write and how I write. And, um, you know, staying true to that is very important to me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have one of the characters say something that, that we either don't read in scripture or couldn't imagine that the character would possibly say, I mean, you yeah, know, you can't imagine Mary saying something that that isn't recorded in sacred scripture. Um, so I, I try to stay away from doing that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that you can approach the story in a number of ways. And I, I like yeah. to approach the stories of Jesus's life <clears throat> through the eyes of a child, you know, make mm-hmm. a fictionalized character who, you know, we don't know if there was a daughter of a Bethlehem innkeeper or not. Sure. But you can you can imagine that there may have been. and. How might that person have interacted with Jesus and with the whole situation in her town? Yeah, and that's a lovely way to go about it, especially to get the very bare-bones biblical narration going through. And so for our penultimate question, has there been any writers or artists that inspired you in creating this book? Oh, goodness. That's a good question. (laughs) You mean Outside of St. Matthew and St. Luke. Sure. <laughs> the best inspiration. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love reading um, kids' books and the, the stories that are written for them, you know, about Christmas. Or, for example, I, one of the movies I really, really love, and I, I beg my grandchildren, can we please watch this movie? The Star, the movie about mm. the, the little donkey who, who finds his way to the manger scene. And... I just love looking at how others have imagined that story going and seeing what I can learn from it. You know, how brave would I be? Would would I be brave enough to stand guard outside the stable 
and protect the child Jesus? I mean, these are questions that, that you can ask yourself at any mm-hmm. point in Jesus's life. How would I have, how would I have acted, you know, at the foot of the cross or as Jesus is walking uh, on the way of the, the cross, you know, is it, how can you put yourself in that story and what can you take away from it? And I, I, other authors have done, you know, they've imagined what the ox or the mouse or, you know, some other critter might have experienced. And, you know, we have songs, bring a torch, Mm -hmm. Jeanette, Isabella, you know, we have songs about people coming to visit the Christ child. And I take away all of that, I guess, the whole experience of, what the nativity story has to say to us. And it comes through. Well, Claudia, thank you so much for answering all these questions with me today and sharing a little insight into how you create such lovely books. If people want to pick up the Christmas light or learn more about you and the good work you do, where can they go? Well, thank you for asking. You can learn about me or, you know, in, ask me a question at, through my website, Claudia McAdam, M-C-A-D-A-M.com. The book can be purchased through the publisher's website, sophiainstitute.com, or at online book retailers, or at brick-and-mortar stores. Yes. You you know, even your local Catholic uh, bookstore, you can go in and and say, I want The Christmas Light by Claudia McAdam, and they can look it up and order it for you. So it's not hard to get, but uh, (laughs) it's appreciated when, when you do. Absolutely. And especially to support the local Catholic bookstores. I love those places. Yes. And yeah, we'll put all those links up on CatholicExchange.com. If anyone's listening, go to CatholicExchange.com where you'll find ClaudiaMcAdam.com links to the books as well as a few other resources I think you all like. Claudia, once again, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. God bless you and your ministry and God bless everyone who's listening to this today. And I I wish you all a blessed Advent. Be here before we know it. Amen to that. And many thanks again to today's guest, Claudia Congella McAdam. You can find the Christmas lights at sophiainstitute.com, and her website is claudiamcadam.com. Check the show notes if you want direct links. Also, check out her article that we published on Catholic Exchange, Why the Nativity Story Still Captivates. This is a really fun discussion I want to have more often because it delights me how much the nativity story shows up in things such as art, books, architecture, things like that. Uh, The nativity is such a central notion to Christianity, and I think it's something we should be exploring and talking about a lot more than we do, as strange as that might sound. If you want me to cover other subjects, especially with the new year coming up, email me, editor at catholicexchange.com. I'll be getting an 800 number set up for you folks as well. I want to thank you all for sticking with me for that long break, especially I know these shows come out somewhat random. I'm getting better at editing, and I want to thank you all for joining me, both online with our articles and here at Catholic Exchanges Podcast. Thank you again. God love you all. Have a wonderful week.